Hey guys, it's Heaven from Just a Grown True Crime, and today I'm going to be telling you about this app called Anchor. It helped me start my podcast, and it can help you start yours. Anchor is a free app that lets you use it from your phone or your computer. So if you want to do it on the go, and you want to just record, you can record one. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more to get your own podcast out there. You can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you want in just one podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I did. What are you waiting for? Hey guys, welcome back to Just a Girl in True Crime. Um, if you follow me on my Facebook page, you know I said just a couple, little bit ago, surprise, you're getting a, another episode tonight. It is a survivor story. And you guys know how I just like to throw in like a couple of my stories. You know, I've shared um, my paranormal experiences and stuff like that, what I've dealt with. And tonight we're going to be talking about a survivor story, something that I survived. Um, growing up, which, you know, it's hard to talk about, but sometimes I feel like, how do I want to put it? I don't look at myself as a victim. I look at myself as a survivor because I've, oh, I've overcome a lot of crap. But before we do that, I want to, I want to share here with you guys some great news. Okay. So I got on um, to my Facebook of just a girl in true crime. And I was getting ready just to like scroll through because I had some likes and stuff like that. And I just wanted to check all my posts and upload some stuff. And I'm scrolling and yesterday, I'm not going to mention any names because I don't know if they want to be named. So out of respect, I'm just going to not name them. But if they listen, which I know the one person listens, and I'm hoping this person who did my review I'm pretty sure they listen to y'all know who you are and thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough and you have no idea how much these mean to me. So the first one I'm going to say, like I said, I got a five-star review and it said this, they said, great show. And they said, Hey, keep up the great work. Your show is great. Don't worry about the bad reviews. Those people don't know what they're talking about. So thank you. You know who you are. You, Your words mean so much. And I'm so glad you like my podcast. That's awesome. And then y'all know I'm already, y'all already know I'm terrible at keeping up my Instagram. Okay. (laughs) I got kids. I got to work. It just slips by. But I always mention like, hey, follow me. So this person reached out to me um a couple weeks ago and I haven't been on it and I got on it tonight and this person said, Hi Heaven, just discovered your podcast. I like it. Subscribe. And then I didn't respond back because I didn't get on it. And something just made me want to get on it tonight. And they said, Don't you ever stop podcasting based on negative comments? You ever think about quitting, remember that I am listening and enjoying your podcast and don't worry about trying to be like, trying to be anyone but yourself. I like you just as you are. You remember this. 
And I said, oh, my God, thank you so much. I'm obviously terrible at keeping my Instagram up to date, LOL. Thank you so much for your support. This person who met, um, commented under my Robert the Doll photo, because that's the last one I've uh, uploaded, I'm pretty sure I know who they are because they like my Facebook page and everything. And I said that. I was like, I, I know who you are. You are the one who liked my Facebook page. And then I said, thank you again and welcome to the podcast. You, you, you know who you are too. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Both of you guys are awesome. I love you from the bottom of my heart. You guys don't understand how happy you made me. When I read the five-star review, I was watching SpongeBob with my boys and my oldest one is sick. And when I saw that, I literally jumped from my couch and I started jumping up and down going, oh my God, I got a five-star review on my podcast. And like, I was like, this can't be real. This can't be real. I No. And my kids were happy for me. They were jump up and down going, yay, yay, yay. And I was like, oh, I, I was so ecstatic. And then when I read this Instagram, everyone's sleeping, obviously. So it's just me. I did the same thing. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, people like my podcast. It, it doesn't matter that I have bad reviews because you're always going to get bad reviews, heaven. And I, you know, I, um, I shared it to my Facebook. I was like, guys, my, my Facebook, I was like, guys, you know, I hit five stars, um, a couple weeks ago, if you've listened to the pod, my podcast where I said I thought about quitting because of these two negative reviews that I got. Like I said, I was going to quit. And, you know, my husband was like, what? Why? And like I showed him and I was in tears. And I really thought I was I was going to stop. And, you know, he said just like, you know, these two people said. You're, you're basically always going to have people who don't like, there's always going to be something that they don't like, whether it's, I can't pronounce big words correctly, or you feel like you're in preschool and it's painful and it's a horrible podcast. You know, that's fine. You, you guys can have your opinions because I, the reason I started this podcast was because I was passionate about true crime. I'm very passionate about it, and I rearranged my whole schedule. Like I said, I work Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. I'm up at 5 in the morning every morning, Monday through Friday. Saturdays are shopping and, you know, spending time with my kids and stuff like that. So when I started this podcast, I said to myself, I was going to make this work. I'm going to do what I love, and it's true crime. And everything. And sure, you know, I lost I lost some people who listened. And, you know, that's normal. I'm not in it for, like, the numbers. It, if I can change a couple people who actually like to listen to my podcast, then I know I'm doing something right. And that's all I can ask for. And stuff like that. So, you guys know who you are. Who left me the awesome review on my Instagram or comment. And who left the um, review 
on the Facebook page. You guys, seriously, thank you. I'm still ecstatic and I'm still in shock that I've had that. And it, it means a lot. So now that we talked about that stuff, let's talk about a survivor story. I'm not going to mention any names. Um, just because I don't want to throw them under the bus. But this is sad. Um, trigger warning. There is child abuse. There is rape and everything like that. I'm going to do as much as I physically can. Like I said, I don't see myself as a victim anymore. I now see myself as a survivor. And everything that I went through made me into the person who I am today. So, I was born on August 27th in 1996. And it was a Tuesday. I only knew that because I looked it up. <laughs> See when my birthday was. Like, what day of the week. Um, I don't really remember a lot about my childhood. Except for the traumatic events that happened from the ages 5 to 16. Before I talk to you about the abuse that happened from 5 to 16, I'm going to take you back to me being a 7-week-old baby. Um, I was always very curious about who my mom was and why I never saw her. Well, you all know, you know, I, I believe in God, but we're not, that's all I'm going to leave that. And I always, like, ask. You know, let me see, because there were articles, um, there was articles that were, um, called Heaven, <clears throat> sorry, Heaven Went Through Hell, and stuff like that, and no matter how much I tried to research my mom, I could never find anything on her. Well, a couple years ago, I guess you can say my prayers were answered. And I found this article that I'm going to touch back in a little bit. When I grew up, I mainly lived with my brother's dad. My mom had four kids. Um, we all had different dads. We all shared the same mom. My sis, my two sisters, who are younger than I am, I'm the oldest. Um, they share a mom and a dad. So growing up, I only thought I had a brother. Didn't know I had two sisters until I was 18. Right? Well, um, I'm sorry. I gotta, it's just gonna take a little bit of time. Well, one day I came home from school when I was like in elementary school, you know, and my dad, I call him my dad because he did raise me, which sucks now that I think about it. Um, you know, I came home and I asked and I said, you know, the teacher and the principal, they pulled me into the office and they were like, you know, why don't you live with your mom? And I came home and I asked and they pulled out this file and everything. And it had all of this and I read it and now I'm going to take you back when I was seven weeks old. Um, 
when I was seven weeks old, my mom, she abused me as a child. I had 14 fractured ribs. I had a fractured skull and a spiral twist arm. She gave multiple accounts to what had happened. And um, she told the police multiple stories. They, there's some things that I don't have answered. And I came to terms that, you know, I will never get answers with that. And that's fine. That, and like I said, yeah, that's totally fine. I get that. that that's just how it is. Um, well, there was all of this stuff that she said, they asked how I broke, like, my arm, and I can't believe, I don't remember if it was my right or my left, because it didn't specify, and she said, you know, I, I rolled over on it, she fell asleep, and she rolled on my arm, but that's what she was saying um, and everything like that. So when my, when my dad took me to the doctors, this is from what he said. Because his mom was a nurse and he said, you know, mom, every time I pick up Heaven's arm, she screams bloody murder. And he, she was like, oh, you know what? You need to take her to the hospital right away. He worked third shift, so when he came home, he heard me screaming, and he ran up and he asked, you know, my mom, what happened? She was like, you know, I don't know. She just keeps screaming, and then that's when he did all that. So he took me to the hospital, and uh, they come out, and they're like, you know, where, where is heaven? And they're like, you know, we had to call children and youth because she has the 14 fractured ribs and the fractured skull and the broken arm and we can't send her home with you. So I guess children and youth come and they both are questioned. And from what my dad said, they obviously had to take polygraph tests. And, you know, my mom said, I'll go first. So he dropped her off and he was just waiting for her. And she was in there for like hours, he said. And when she finally came out, he was like, you know, what took you so long? And she's like, oh, they just kept asking me the same questions over and over and stuff like that. Come to find out that she wrote a full confession statement of what she did. Now, I cannot um, find this article. I've searched. Just, you know, just to see and everything of all the stuff and couldn't find it anywhere. Well, come to find out, like I said, she wrote this thing. I don't think she got enough time. She was sentenced like to a year in prison and that was it. So he was, and she was pregnant with my brother at this time, mind you. 
if you're wondering how he got custody of me, she put him on my birth certificate as my father. So in PA, because that is where I'm from, um, if a guy signs the birth certificate as the father in the eyes of the law, I know in Pennsylvania, I don't know for every state, but I know for this, they technically see that he is the father of that child unless they prove by a DNA test. So I was reading all this, all of these articles and everything like that, like what the detective said, and I wish I could remember all of it. I remember bits and pieces of that, but I, like I said, it's what happened. It was traumatic. Um, and he was like, I wasn't, he said, he didn't want to tell you, but this is why you're not in contact with your mom. The they had a court order he put out saying that she couldn't contact us, contact me or my brother until we were thirteen, but then he changed it for her to have no contact until we were eighteen, so I never knew her and stuff like that. And a couple years ago, I'm gonna bring back this article. Um, I was at the beach and I was like, you know, I just I just want to find one article because. I need I need to know what happened. And I've always searched and I did this search the one time and like I searched my name. And uh this article popped up. And I'm about to read it to you right now, but I'm not going to say her name. And it says judge judge sends case of injured baby to court. A 19-year-old mother told bring it I think it's Springett's Ferry. Yeah, Springett's Ferry Township Police. She broke 14 of her infant daughter's ribs because she because the child cried at night. That information plus medical examination found that the 7-week infant had a fractured arm and a skull fracture and 2 to 3-week old fractured ribs. And that all eventually led to a preliminary hearing. The child's mother, blank of blank road, because I'm not going to say the name road of uh, name of the road either, faces charges of simple and aggravated assault and endangering a endangering the welfare of a child, specifically her daughter who was born on August 27th. Doctor Daniel, hold on, I'm about to full page it. Dr. Daniel Ball of Milton S. Hershey Medical Center testified that the injuries appeared to be intentional, said Joe Adams, a child abuse prosecutor. The only, spectata only spectator was Blank, her boyfriend, and the father of the injured baby, which... He's not my real father, but like I said, in the eyes of PA, since he was on my birth certificate, technically they saw him as that. Detective Robert Stoop of Springsbury Township Police testified about the following details drawn from the arrest affidavit. My mom called the Mother Child Clinic at York Hospital on October 25th. 
She said her seven-week-old daughter would not move. Okay, it was my left arm. Move her left arm and had a slushy. Oh, I'm sorry, not slushy. Mushy spot at the right rear of her head. The triage nurse urged her to bring the infant to the hospital as soon as possible. When my mom had failed to arrive, the hospital staff repeatedly called her until she and my father brought their baby in at 3 p.m. In treatment, the child... In treating the child, Dr. Mark found a skull fracture and spiral fracture in the bone of the upper left arm. And Stoop interviewed both parents on October 22nd. I'm sorry, October 26th. And he learned that my dad, like I said, worked third shift and he slept during the day. My mom was the primary caregiver of me. During the next few days, my mom provided various explanations, like I said, for the injuries. She first told the detective that I cried in the crib um, in, the, in the night. And then that's when she like went in, I guess, and found that I had twisted my left arm behind me. Now, we all know that is not possible. And she said she held me most of the night. In an interview on October 29th, she said that she was suffering from postpartum depression, which is a real thing. So I don't know if that was a cause of it. I have no idea. She, um, she said that she gets angry and she blacks out and she's unable to remember what she has done. And she also told the detective that sometimes she gets angry when her baby cries at night, which would be me. My mom told the detective, she said, I can say that the ribs came from me. Now, when I first read this, it broke me. Um, if people are wondering, like, why I'm not crying, um, it does hurt, but I can't always dwell on the past, and I feel like I have to move on sometimes, even though reading this does bring up a lot of memories and stuff like that. She said she squeezed me um, one, to two, one night or two or three weeks ago, and she yelled at me to stop crying. She offered another explanation for the arm injury. That's where she said she fell asleep on the couch on October 23rd with me in her arms, and she woke up to find herself lying on my arm. She said she had to reach around to grab and pull the baby's arm free. She said, as for the skull fracture, she told the detective that infants lift their head and hit them on the floor. Adams noted that an infant that young, which I was seven weeks old, doesn't have the strength to lift their head like that. Finally, a nurse told Stoop that my mom asked if her daughter's arm fractured had been caused by twisting the arm, and no answer was provided in the affidavit. Adam said he does not know who has custody of the infant, and the senior district justice, Paul, ruled 
to send the case to the York County Common Pleas Court, where my mom would enter a plea on December 20th, and she remains she remained free after posting a $10,000 bail. And that's the only article I've ever actually been able to find. Luckily, I do know where I went because my brother's dad um, told me when I was taken out of custody, I was in foster care until I was about roughly two years old. And I guess every time when my foster parents got me back, they would ask where I ate, and I would always tell the McDonald's, and the foster parents, you know, kind of told CPS about this, and they made my brother's dad, like, do all of these cooking classes and take steps of how to actually raise a child and stuff like that. So I guess he completed that, and he did tell me at one point they did sit him down and they asked, you know, Mr. So-and-so, are you ready to give up? And he told me, he's like, you know what, I was ready to do it. And so that I say, I kind of wish he did because I probably wouldn't be so fucked up, okay? Um, And, you know, I guess he, like, talked to his mom. He's like, Mom, what should I do? And she was like, oh, blank, you go back and you fight for that little girl because she has nobody. So he said, no, I'm not ready to give up. And he said, they told him, okay, we're going to make your life a living hell. So she gave birth to my brother in Muncie State Prison. That's where my dad said she went to prison. Um, So I don't know if that's true or not. That's where he said. But she did give birth to my brother, and he automatically got custody of his so that's what happened to me when I was little. Now, let's talk about some other terrible things. Um, if I like go quiet because I muted my mic, so I wouldn't cry on the podcast because that was very hard to read. Like I said, um. So, nice. I know I said I. That's all I remember from being anything. From, you know, newborn to two, I don't really, I can't tell you anything. I can't tell you about my foster parents. Like, I can't say anything. Now, from five, I can remember everything, but I'm really not going to go into every detail because if my husband listens to this, I, I haven't told him everything because I'm not comfortable and he doesn't want me to tell him everything, which I get. But he knows a pretty good majority. So, um, the abuse started when I was five years old. Um, he sexually... I mean, I guess you can say he sexually abused or raped. Because I was raped. <clears throat> and, uh... He only, I uh, had a stepmom. May she rest in peace because she died last year. Um, he would always do it when she was never around. And this didn't only happen to me, but I'm not going to, you know, call anybody else out. 
on the podcast because that's not that's not my that's not my business. I'm here to I'm here to tell you guys my story. Um, and I had siblings. We were a blended family. There was five of us all together, but it only happened to two. My my dad, my brother's dad. I I kid you guys not. He um he had a hate for women. And I don't know why. And I can't tell you why because I don't know myself. But I and I still feel this way. Um I know he had a hate for women. Um, and he was a very angry person, needless to say. So, growing up, I didn't have the best childhood. Um, I can tell you on one hand how many good memories I've had. And it's very few. Like I said, the abuse would only happen when my stepmom wasn't around. He would send her to the grocery store or something like that. And he would he would make a he would make me do terrible things and stuff. Um you know, and he always said, you know, you you can't tell anybody. You you can't say anything, and I never did. Um, I didn't like wearing dresses to school. I didn't wear shorts. I always wore pants. And I remember it first happened um, down in Hellam. I lived in a trailer park in a... Um, on a trailer. It was a two-bedroom, and sometimes he would send my siblings to go in the room, and he would say, you know, don't come out, so I come get you. And it either happened in the living room on the couch or in this small bedroom. I mean, when you're that young, you don't... you don't know right from wrong, and you think it's totally normal. And everything, you know, but as you got older, you, you realize it's not, it's not right. And stuff like that. I would be terrified when my stepmom, you know, she went somewhere. And I'd always pictured in my head, like, okay, she's close to the store. She's going to be coming back soon. And everything like that. And I, I tried to go anywhere. Um, in my mind. To try to take it away. From what was happening. Because as I got older. I knew this wasn't right. And I, and I felt like I didn't have anybody to talk to. And everything like that. And I know I couldn't tell anybody because I didn't have 
at the time, I didn't have anywhere to go. I, I, I was like, this is my family. This is normal. And the one time we were in the bathroom and my stepmom was home and he like came into the bathroom and she caught him and stuff like that. Well, she said, what are you doing? And he said nothing. And um, he worked at this job called Keystone Plastics. I don't even know if it's still up at this point. Um, went to school. I was getting ready to leave the next morning. And I was in elementary school. And she stopped me and, she, you know, she asked what happened. And I was like, nothing. And she's like, what was he doing with you in the bathroom? And I said, nothing. And I, I didn't say anything. And, um, she said, you want me to call your grandma? And I told her. I said, he, um, he, uh, he made me, um, suck his dick. Sorry, guys. I said this was going to be a, this was going to be a rough case, and I apologize. And, you know, thinking she was going to get help. She said, don't worry, your secret's safe with me. Now, for a long time, I kind of blamed her because it was like, I told you. I told you and you didn't tell anybody. But I did some reflecting over the past couple months. And over, like, the year, the past couple months when she passed away. And I've seen, I've seen what he did to her. And he was, he was abusive. And I know he hit her. We saw it. We all saw it. But we were kids. What were we supposed to do? We couldn't do anything. And I blamed her for not telling anybody. But I don't know if she could. Because he always put in her mind, you have, you don't have anybody you only have me. You're not going to get anywhere in this life without me. And um, maybe that's why she didn't tell. I, honestly, I don't know. I've never asked. And it happened. It happened a lot. Like I said, he never let her work. Um... And when she did work, she worked during, she worked at night or, and stuff like that. And she like worked at McDonald's once. I think it was McDonald's where it was the five guys. Actually, I think it was both. And she wasn't there long. 
because he was very possessive. And um, somebody was like, oh, you know, she's talking to this guy, and he didn't like that. Like I said, possessive. And I remember one trailer. They got into a fight, and we had, like, um, like a fryer. Yeah, because it had oil. And they were, they were fighting about something. And it must have been loud where everybody heard and someone called the landlord. I remember looking out the window. And I was like, the landlord's coming. And he, like, flipped the oil and it went all over our kitchen floor. And he said to clean it up. But I didn't clean it up. And, like, the landlord knocked. And he was like, is everything okay? People heard, like, yelling. And he was yelling. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And he closed the door. He's like, I told you to clean that up. But, I mean, you spilled it. You clean it. But I didn't say that at the time. So we cleaned it up. Then um, I told a couple friends as I got older and everything in, you know, elementary school. Not elementary school. I'm sorry. Like middle school. Like I told some people. But, like, the, some people knew I had a bad home life. Not a lot. Only people I trusted. Because I didn't go tell everybody. Well, um, we ended up moving. And moved from York County up to a town called Johnstown. And I was... I was 13. And, and you know, this stuff lasted for all these years, you know the vaginally, the, the anal, the oral, it all happened. He did that from that young age, and he still continued. And I remember I would always, like, lie and say, oh, you know, I'm on my period. Or, like, if I knew my stepmom was going somewhere, I'd be like, hey, you know, can you can you go get me some tampons because um, I started my period. Hopefully, like, that would deter him from doing anything. Um, I, eighth grade, I hit rock bottom. I uh, turned to weed. My parents found out. They grounded me for months. I mean, I don't see the problem. It was weed. I came home from school. I stayed in my room. I wasn't allowed to come out um, or anything like that. So I remember one night, like I was listening, and they, were, she had, he wanted to send her somewhere, and I was like, "That's when I ran down." And then he called me after she left. He called me back down, and he asked me, he asked me if I wanted to give him oral and I was like no my stomach hurts and I like turned to I turned around and I just like walked back upstairs and that's all I remember of that night and she wasn't gone long um and then a couple of days later my my cousins had a um I believe it was a it was either a baseball or a basketball game and their dad had to work, and he's like, you know, can you take them there? And my 
my brother's dad was like, yeah, I could take them there. But he actually had my stepmom. And I remember telling one of my siblings, I was like, you know, why don't you just stay here with me um, and everything like that. And they were like, yeah, okay. Well, he ended up making her go. And he told me to go upstairs to the room. And I would always, like, try, like, to fight him off and tell him, like, no, like, you know, don't do this and stuff like that. Well, I was 13, and he oh boy, okay, he um I, I, I mean, I don't know how else any other way to say this, that's why I'm stalling. He took my, uh, he popped my cherry, or as some people know, you know, taking the virginity. When he saw that, he stopped. Like, he knew what he did was, like, wrong. And he was like, oh my god. And everything like that. And he told me, he's like, go in the shower, go get cleaned up. And then he, like, walked back downstairs like nothing happened. And that was terrifying. But it didn't stop there, you know. My dad and stepmom eventually, they split for a short period of time. And my brother, so it was just my brother, me, and him. And my brother was over at a relative's, they were at like at a park called Idlewild. We stopped at my grandma's. And he said, oh, we're going home soon. When we got home, he made me do things to him as well. And stuff like that. And I just remember, I was just like, this can't, this can't be happening. Like, when is this going to end? And I just didn't want to get into all the details because of a lot of it is hard to talk about well something happened one night we moved to the other side of town and I was about 16 and they get a knock on the door I just gotten off the phone with my boyfriend at the time a couple hours prior and they come to my room, and they're like, you need to wake up. I'm like, why? And they're like, the police are coming, and Child Protective Services are coming. They want to speak to you. Okay? So I was on shorts, and they're like, you might want to go change. So, I mean, I slept in shorts. They weren't short shorts or anything, so, you know. So they came, they came, and I went to the kitchen, and they, uh, the lady asked, you know, like, does your dad ever do anything like this to you? Now, I say I don't have regrets in my life. I might, not my, I regret this to an extent of not saying anything and not coming forward. 
I lied to the lady and I said no. Obviously, I don't think she believed me. They ended up taking him out of the house and my stepmom, may she rest in peace, said that I had to have said something for him to be taken out of the house. He wasn't allowed to have contact with us and everything like that and he was like suspended from his job or whatever because he was working at a trash company and stuff like that um but she still saw him you know i they ended she ended up kicking me out of our house to go live with my aunt so he could come back in that's fucked up but yeah that happened Played with my aunt for a good bit and, you know, I was fine. Like, nothing else happened because he wasn't there um, and everything like that. Now, sometimes they broke the law, the rules of what he was supposed to do. And he came around, like, during the day at my aunt's and stuff like that. But that was it. And he didn't stay for long. And he was never left supervi- unsupervised with us. Of course, his family... Didn't think anything happened. They were like, why now? Obviously, I didn't make the report. The other person who I'm not going to mention, they did. And everything like that. And I lied. I remember talking to detectives. And I lied to them. And everything like that. And they wanted to go. They wanted me to go see a, like a, a gynecologist. So, like, and they could see, like, if there's been, like, tearing to the hymen and stuff. Well, like, when, you know, my dad found out, they were like, no, she's not getting that done. And I believe he didn't want that done because he would knew, he knew he would have been guilty. Well, the children youth lady came back when I was in school and they asked me questions. And, you know, I lied again and I said, no, I had my own lawyer because my dad's lawyer could not represent me. Obviously, it made sense. Um, well, the detective called and they said they wanted to talk to me one more time. My parents weren't having it. And mind you, he took a polygraph test and he failed. So they put him in jail for three days. Okay. Um, my stepmom took my phone. Uh, which was fine because I actually locked myself out of my phone. They did not give it back to me until he came home or a day before he came home and everything. Don't know how he got out, but he did. Um, when the detective called, I, I had every intention of telling them, yes, it happened. But my lawyer said, no, you're not talking to her. So I guess it was like a missed opportunity. I didn't have a phone. I couldn't reach them. Nothing. And needless to say, you know, he spent those days in jail. He kept trying to say, like, he was nervous in the polygraph. Um, and he was sweating. He was moving. Y'all know how I feel about polygraph. But I know why he failed. And I know he failed because he did it. I don't even know if. Yeah, I'm not saying no names, so it's okay. Um, and I think that's the first time like, I've ever seen him cry. He's like, oh, you know, lo- I love you so much. No, my parents weren't affectionate. They didn't say I love you. We didn't hug, nothing. Like, terrible childhood. Could never go outside. They kept us basically sheltered in the house. 
So I didn't have like a normal childhood. When I turned 18, I moved out. I was told that if I moved out, I was no longer a part of the family. Which was fine because I didn't want to be a part of the family. I met my kids' dad instantly. And I first I texted my best friend and said, hey, I moved out. So she said, where are you? I said, I'm at a hotel. She came out to the hotel. Um, and when I finally came forward with the abuse, like a year after I moved out, I was called a whore. I was called a slut. Um, when I had my oldest, when he was born, they brought him into it and they said he was ugly. They said they would come. His kids said they'd come beat me up for telling lies about their father. And I told them, I said, I'll see you in court. Good luck finding where I live. And they said, public records. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll be waiting. Come to my door. That's fine. Um, and everything like that. So I, when I was 18, like I said, I walked away. And I never looked back. I never had any contact with them. I didn't tell my kid's boyfriend at the time what happened until we, you know, we tried to do stuff and I had to say something. And I told him a little bit more details than I told you guys here. I kind of like beaded around the bush to keep it like as normal as possible. I know I've talked about a lot worse, but my case, it's different talking about my case because it's hard because I'm telling my story, right? And stuff like that. So I left. Like I said, they called me all those names. Um, I found my mom when I was 18. I wanted to get to know her. Now he always told me, you know, don't ever go find your mom because you'll be disappointed. I guess then one thing, if anything, I should have listened to him on that because I have not talked to my mom in about six years. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, maybe like four years. I'm sorry. Like four years. Um, I have two kids. My youngest is two and a half and she's never met her grandson. She's never met my youngest one. She was very toxic. I've asked her about the abuse and, you know, she could never give me answers. She said that it wasn't just her who did the abuse. I personally have a hard time believing that because growing up, my brother's dad might have raped me, but he never, like, physically, like, hit me or stuff like that. So, um, I feel like if he did do that, he would have never, um... He wouldn't have stopped that. He would have did both, if that makes sense. But I don't know. I don't believe he actually physically caused the bruises and stuff, like the broken ribs, the fractured skull, and the broken arm. Um, That's just me and everything like that of how I stand. I believe she was fully responsible for it. Obviously, postpartum could have had this big impact on it. But... I also came to terms that I will never know because neither one of them will tell me, which is fine. I was probably, when I found that I was, I'm going back real quick. When I found out he wasn't my real dad, which I always had a suspicion, 
because I never looked like any of them. Um, he told me, he told me in the corn, he said, well, you know, I'm not your real dad. Like, and it hurt, even though he was doing, like, all that stuff, and I'm like, okay. Like, it hurt a little bit because he did raise me, um, and whatnot, but, and that's how I felt at that time. So, when I found, I found that out, now, now at that time, it, I was 15 years old, that was a little hard to take in, you know? It's like, wow, your world is, like, crushed. Um... So yeah, that that's my story, guys. Um, I wanted to clear it up. I wanted to explain it to you as much as possible that I felt comfortable saying. I'm sorry if you don't like this one. You can fully skip it. That's fine. I said you'd get two today, but it's Saturday. It's tw currently 12.04 where I'm at. This took, obviously, almost an hour to explain and stuff like that. I just, you know, I now, can, I have put it behind me, but sometimes I still, like, dwell on the past a little bit, and I have to remind myself, like, I can't do that, because then I'll never expect to move on. Now, I did forgive both of them. Not for them, but I did it for me, because I, I've came to peace a little bit of where I'm at. It made me into the person I am today. Um, I always vowed that I would never be like my parents. I would show my kids absolute love and unconditional love at that. And I made it my mission to be a better parent than both of them and everything. Because I was 18 when I had my oldest. I was only 18 years old. And stuff like that. And guys, I think that's it. Um... And I also live by this quote, and it helps me get through most days. It says, God gives his strongest battles to his strongest soldiers, I believe that's what it says. I have it at my desk at work. And it's just like a reminder, like I can get, like, and I, if I've gotten through that, I've gotten through all of that, that hardship, right? I tell myself, there's nothing else that I can't handle because I've already been through so much. And, you know, back in the time when, you know, I questioned God and I'm like, why me? Why did this go through? Why did this have to happen to me? But it molded me into the person I am today. I mean, and it sucked that it happened. But if, like, my husband always says, like, if that didn't happen, I probably would have met him. I probably wouldn't have had my kids. So, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today. I, in fact, I dropped out when I was 18, and it took me a couple years to realize that I needed to go back to school. I have my diploma. I've had it for a couple years. I work a full-time job. I'm raising two kids, and I live. we live on our own, and everything's fine. So, I mean, that... That's enough because I'm doing, I'm doing better. And, you know, a lot of people are like, you should go to therapy. You should go to counseling. But I, I have just have this theory that, like, someone's going to tell me I'm, it's my fault. I know they're not going to, but it's just a fear. Like, I don't even see male doctors because I'm genuinely afraid. 
But guys, that is it. I sorry for the downer. I'm really sorry. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that I'm gonna promise I'll get better at. It's um just a girl on true crime. If you want to send me an email, just you know, just to do suggestions. That's just a girl on true crime at gmail.com. You want to follow my YouTube that I still only have one video up. It's just a grown true crime. If you want to follow or like the Facebook page or become a member, that is just a girl and true crime. What else am I missing? You can like and subscribe this video. You can leave me a review. Um, like I said, thank you for the other the two people who I mentioned at the beginning. You guys are awesome. But I love all of you. You guys are so great. And I probably wouldn't, you know, be sitting in my dining room today on my computer recording this if I didn't have the guts to uh, decide to make a podcast. So thank you all. And I think that's where I'm going to end it. And I think I'm going to go watch my 90 Day Fiance the other way around that's playing in the background. Well, guys, um, like I said, um, next Wednesday you will get yeah, next Wednesday you guys will get your urban legend, and then that Friday we are going to be talking about Robert Hansen. I really don't know much about him, but I'm about to read up on him either. I'll probably tomorrow. So I'll probably pre-record that tomorrow for Friday. Remember, guys, spread love, not hate. And I'll be talking to you next time. Well, you'll be listening to me next time. Because it'll be pre-recorded. <laughs> See, I'm getting my schedule back. We're all good. <laughs>